Thanks for joining us on the Oasis Church Podcast. To find out more about Oasis, visit CelebrateTheJourney.org. During this episode, Pastor Dennis Ritchie shares a great message that will lead you to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ. So open up a Bible, grab a notebook, or simply listen along. Cadillac, we have kind of the VW Bug uh, solution, uh, one that I think is affordable and not too comfortable to let people stay home because there's something about gathering um, as a community together. So that's what that is. Now, before we get going, it's my understanding that it might be Trish Griffin's birthday today. Now, Trish isn't here, um, but she probably watches online. And she might be watching right now. I know that she will see this once in a while. So since we want to fill this, this sanctuary with birthday wishes, we're going to sing loudly, happy birthday to Trish. All right? So, and remember, it's not a funeral dirge. It's kind of upbeat, snappy. Birthdays are celebration. So ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Trisha. Happy birthday. Woo! Well, Trish, if you're watching, happy birthday. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are, um, that you love us so much that you know us better than we know ourselves. We thank you for that love and the the freedom that comes with that love and the grace that comes with that love. And Father, this morning I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So church number... Four? Five. Four. Church number four. Sardis. Wait, it's right up there. Four, five. Church number five. Sardis. Four. What is it? Ephesus. One, two, three, four. This is five. Yeah, five. Anyway, I digress. Um, there's an interesting story with this, this church in this city because... The strength of this city would end up being its weakness. Um, it was located on the top of, the, of a historian, say, like a 1,500-foot uh, pinnacle or, or precipice. And it was a military stronghold because it was situated uh, so high up. In fact, there was this one side of the mountain that was believed impenetrable. Like, it was so steep, so rocky, no one can get there. Unfortunately, because of a lack of diligence or uh, vigilance, somebody actually climbed up that part of the mountain, and this city was overcome twice in its history. Its strength ended up becoming its weakness. It was a commercial center, wealthy, very wealthy city, a leader in the industry of wool and dyeing the wool, uh, again like Thyatira. Uh, Sardis became a name 
for contempt or a name of contempt in the ancient world because the people that lived there, they were just kind of loose living, pleasure seeking, kind of narcissistic, anything goes type of folks. Um, The problem within this city was that life was very, very easy. It was wealthy. They had all the bells and whistles they wanted. And so people just kind of got lazy and come and go, whatever happens, happens type of thing. You know, on the couch watching soap operas, eating bonbons every morning. This was the life of the people in, in Sardis. The church in this city was almost completely untroubled by anything, inside and out. Um, it was it was at peace. There's kind of two kinds of uh, peace uh, in humanity, I think, and, and one comes from hard work, perseverance, and achievements. You know, it, you, you work hard, uh, you sacrifice for certain things, and and at the end of that, um, there's success, and so there's a certain peace that comes with hard work and perseverance. But then there's, there's another piece. And that other piece uh, is one that comes when a person just no longer cares. They've kind of sunk into uh, being comfortable. Their life is uh, defined by being just a little bit lethargic. I believe that you can see these people in Walmart. They're the ones with the pajamas still on. I'm not sure whether to bow down before them and, and, and just like, wow, you, you're at that much peace or feel bad for them that they've given up. But this is what's taking place in uh, the church and in this, this city. Um, they no longer press into the things of God. They no longer, um, they're no longer persistent in pursuing Christ. The church, as well as the city, got lazy. And it's to this lazy church that Jesus is going to write his letter. So this is Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. To the church in Sardis, the angel of the church in Sardis writes, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up! Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you'll not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so Jesus, again, comes right out of the, right out of the gate. And he's explaining to the church who he is. He wants to make it very clear that he's in control of the church. And so he says he, he holds the seven spirits of God. 
Now, the seven spirits of God, uh, you'll find, um, there's a few places, but you'll find it mainly in Isaiah chapter 11. It says this, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Now, here it is. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, one, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, two, three, the spirit of counsel and might, four, five, the spirit of knowledge, six, and fear of the Lord, seven. These are not really separate spirits. These are the characteristics of the one spirit, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying that he possesses the thing, the only thing that's going to fix this church. It is the spirit of God. Christ has control and he has the solution to every brokenness in every church community. He holds on to that and it's freely given to those who will press in and go after it. And the seven stars that he also holds. It's about this idea of um, the stars reference possibly the leaders of the church, uh, the the bishops, some would think. And so Jesus, uh, he controls leadership in the church. Uh, Though I answer to our elders here, um, ultimately I answer to Christ and Christ himself. He is the head of the church. I'm just kind of a uh, a sub shepherd, I guess, and so uh, he and he knows their deeds. He says, "You have a reputation of being alive, but could uh, you know everything was about the past? Remember when we used to do this? I wish we can go back to those good old days. If a church's mindset is caught up in all the things they used to do, the church is slowly dying." See, just because we did things one way doesn't necessarily mean that we continue to do them throughout the history of who we are as a community. When traditions become a thing of worship, instead of um, pressing in to see what God is doing right now within the context of the community, when tradition becomes more important than the movement of God, the church is unhealthy. When it's more concerned about style and looks and form, when people complain about the carpet or the the curtains are the wrong color, or, you know, I like hardwood floors and not rugs around. When, When those become the primary focus, I've been there, I've lived that. The church is unhealthy. The way you're supposed to dress Um, All those things are just so, um, they're stupid to focus on. And if a church focuses on those things, it's an unhealthy church. And for those in the church, when it becomes easier to ignore God and then to be obedient to him, when, when spiritual things of our faith become optional, And we engage them only when it's convenience. The church is falling into a sickness. When gathering together becomes a non-event in your life. The church is becoming sick and unhealthy. And on its way to dying. And so this church, what once was alive, is now dead. He tells the church, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. 
Remember, twice before in the history of the city, it was overcome, overrun. It lost major military campaigns because the watchmen were not on guard to the place where, at the place where they thought no one can possibly get to. And someone actually did. They snuck up that side of the mountain, they opened the gates, and the armies just rushed in and took over the entire city. It was this false sense of security that they had. There was, there was lack of vigilance. They just kind of said, eh, it's okay. Everything is good. We are safe. And that attitude, that, that posture in their mind and, and in their heart that has crept into the, the church of Sardis. And Jesus is almost kind of, I, I can almost picture like him yelling, wake up. Don't you see what's happening? Don't you see what's not happening? Wake up. He sees what's going on, but it seems that the church doesn't. They're just going about their business thinking that everything is okay. We don't have to really worry about anything. Spiritually, it has fallen asleep, and while they're asleep, they are dying. The church needs to be, all churches need to be watchful in the weaknesses. We all have, all churches have, have weakness. And the believers, those who attend that community, they have to also be watchful in their weaknesses. Because a weakness left alone doesn't get stronger, it just gets weaker. Until eventually, whatever you were trying to hold on to or just allow to sit will come to an end. It will die. So if uh, an example, if your weakness is in your prayer life, and you know it, and, and you know, you get these urges or a sense that, you know, I, I used to pray much more back then, and, and but now, you know, you, you get that little nudge, but you're really busy now, and you just don't have time, or there's lots of distractions, or you come up with some excuse why you can't pray. Jesus is saying, strengthen what's still there. Or eventually it's going to die off. Left alone, a weakness in your prayer life will end up being the death of your prayer life. And it's the same with all of the, all of the, uh, I don't know, the disciplines, the components of our faith. And it's even more challenging as we bring that into the context of community. We are to strengthen what is dying off. This church had a reputation of being alive and they've gotten a bit lazy. I remember in, um, in 2008, we, we, we used to meet at this place called The Grange. It was nicknamed The Grunge. Um, they had a little problem with black mold, but we have Jesus, so we're okay with that. Um, and I, I don't remember what we used to call it. It was like um, uh, No Church Sunday or Outside the Wall Sunday. I, I forget, forget what it was. It was a long time ago. Outside of the wall, yeah. And so what we would do is we would set up like about a half a dozen service projects for Sunday morning. And the church would sign up uh, whatever service project they wanted to sign up. And we would cancel service. And so everybody would go out on Sunday mornings and meet where they were. And they would do this service project. And about 12 or 1, I think, we would end those service projects. And we'd go back to the grunge and we would have a big picnic. 
And we would just celebrate the things that God, were, God was doing and, and tell stories about, you know, what went on during the day. Well, the first time we did that, a good, like more than three quarters of the church signed up and we just sent everybody out. We came back and had a great picnic. We saw that it was met with a lot of excitement and success. And so we decided to do it again. Maybe we didn't do it every week. It was probably maybe every other month. And um, by around the fourth time, we found ourselves having to cancel service projects because we didn't have enough people. And before we knew it, we just decided to stop it all together because it was just an excuse for people to skip church and not engage in the service. At that point, now nobody here attended at that time, so don't worry. Uh, At that point that we had this reputation for being this church that went out and served and we were willing to cancel service. And then that just waned. It's a dangerous place to be um, in our own lives, in the spiritual things that God has called us to. And so those types of things have taken place in this church in Sardis. It had this reputation of being alive because of what it used to do. And Jesus tells him, wake up. Don't you see what's going on? Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. I will come. Yeah. Remember, therefore. And for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. See, there's something there still. Something within the church, something that was left that hasn't died. And Jesus is telling it, grab hold of that and strengthen it. The community needs to be strengthened. The church needed to be strengthened. Communal health of any church is in direct proportion or reflection of the spiritual health of the people who attend it. If a church is ultimately unhealthy, Let's look at the spiritual lives of its leaders and the people who attend that church and see how they are engaging and pressing into God. Jesus calls the church to strengthen what is, what is left or it's going to die. And so I, I've, God has really been dealing uh, with me over the last uh, month, month and a half about strengthening the things that I used to do that I kind of got away from because, hey, I'm a busy guy. I can come up with a million and one excuses. And he's called me to strengthen the things that are weakened in my spiritual life. And so, again, if, uh, if it's prayer for you and uh, every once in a while, or you used to be a prayer warrior, but now you're just way too busy, strengthen that spark that's still within you. Or if you used to be a, a man or a woman who is in the Word of God and engaging the Word of God, but now, you know, life, life has changed a little bit and, and things have come in and you just don't really have time to engage it. And plus, you really can't find where you put your Bible. Jesus says, strengthen what is there before it dies off. If you ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit long enough, eventually you won't be able to hear him at all. Strengthen what's there. Maybe maybe you're spending too much time on yourself. And you, you serve really no one but 
yourself. And it seems to be happening more and more. And, and you used to do this, but now, hey man, you're busy and you got to look out for yourself. Maybe it's in your finances. The Holy Spirit is prompting you to give there, to give over there, to help that person, to help that ministry. But you know, your, your finances, uh, money's a little tight. And so you want your finances to resolve and revolve just around yourself so you can maintain a, a place of comfort, strengthen what is still there. Strengthen what's slowly slipping away in your spiritual life before it's completely gone. He says, I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Jesus tells this church, he has found their deeds unfinished. It's a very interesting text. Because we Christians, I know at least for me, I love to focus on, or many times I focus on, um, always asking God. God, I need you to supply for my needs. Uh, would you bless this? Uh, let me find favor in that. And I'm always going and, I'm, and I'm, always, I'm always asking. And we should. That's what the scripture tells us. That we ask God. That, that we would go to him in prayer. He knows what we need. He, he will supply our needs. And uh, I, I've been reading through the Gospels recently, and Jesus talks a lot about prayer. That, that in, in Mark chapter, I forget, 9 or 10, he says, if you, when you pray, believe that you already have it, and you'll get it. And so there's all these things about going to God and asking. But like the old saying goes, there's two sides to every coin. And Jesus, um, he... Jesus doesn't want our relationship with him to just to be one-sided, that we're always wanting and always asking, but that our relationship with him would be one of kind of give and give. He's giving to us, and we're giving to him. And, and maybe you're thinking, well, what does Jesus expect from me? That's a very easy question, and it's simple. It's our obedience. Deeds are our obedience to him. There's this very misquoted verse in John chapter 8, verse 32. And it says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Everybody loves that verse. It's a feel-good, coffee cup, t-shirt kind of verse. But we neglect verse 31. Verse 31 and 32, they're the same thought. And in verse 31, it says, if you hold to my teachings, these are red letters, these are Jesus speaking, if you hold to my teachings, meaning if you obey what I'm telling you, then you will be my disciple. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Our obedience is what Jesus is talking about here. And you have to know the teachings of Jesus in order to be obedient to Jesus. And that's what makes the word of God so, so important for the Christian to walk in obedience to Christ. You have to understand and know what you are being called to do. And Jesus talks about a lot of stuff in the Gospels. He talks about the kingdom of God. He talks about how we spend our time and our money, how we are to treat people inside the church and outside the church. Um, fasting and prayer and service. I, I, I always uh, think to myself, what if, what if the church, what if we just disregarded the entire Bible? I know that sounds like heresy, but just stay with me for a second. And all we had was Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount. What if the church fully, I mean church, capital C, around the world, that church fully engaged just those three chapters alone? 
I will, I will guarantee you the world would be a very, very different place than it is right now. Very different. And so God is the judge, and he's sitting on the throne, and, and uh, he sees what we're doing or what we're not doing. He sees the quality of what we're doing. He sees the quantity of what we're doing. See, we don't get to live this life the way we want to or the way that we think it's, it's comfortable. We don't get to pick and choose the commands of God. You know, I don't like this, and so uh, I think I'm going to ignore that because, you know, of grace. And so there's a... <clears throat> and so I think uh, I, I like this one. This one's easy for me, so I'll engage this one, but not that one. And what that, hap- what that is is we're starting to create a God in my image, in your image, and that is called idolatry. Any God but the one true God that you are following is it's a false God. It's idolatry. We don't get to make God in our own image. We have been made in his image. Now we're on verse 3. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. And repent. There is a way to fix what's going on in the church. There's a way to fix what's going on in the lives of the people who are attending this church in its repentance. It is turning away from the direction that you were going in and then turning towards Christ. And I would even say, you don't just leisurely walk towards him, man, run after him. Run after the things of God. Change the way you're living. Put things in perspective and put things in priority. Make the things of God in your life a priority. They know the truth. They know the truths of the faith. They know what is required of them. Why? Because they used to live that way. But now they have gotten away from it. They they have gotten lazy. They had this reputation, but Jesus sees right through it. And he knows what is happening. He says nothing good about this church, if you notice. There wasn't a strength that he started with. He comes right out of the chute going, <laughs> you guys in trouble. You guys are in trouble. You're lazy. You've settled into this normal that is not of, of me, of God. They're to go back and find out the, um, what was vibrant in that community and grab a hold of that and, and create a new normal. We talked about a new normal last week. I don't want just the normal. I don't want to go back to the way things are for us as a church. I want, I want the newness. I want that fire and passion that, that we used to have as a community, that I used to have as a pastor. Hold fast to the gospel. Spiritual diligence is so, so important in the lives of every believer. If we lose that vigilance, diligence, passion, discipline, if we lose that, if they continue on that road that the church in Sardis is on, they're no longer going to be a church. And at the very least, the presence of God won't be there. And if the presence of God isn't at this thing that we call church, at this gathering of the saints, we're just wasting our time. Because it's the presence of God, the power of the Spirit. That's what makes this all worthwhile. And Jesus is warning them. Man, you got to wake up and see this. 
bring back to life those things that you've allowed to die off. And he continues. You have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. (laughs) It just makes me laugh. I don't know. Uh, They walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There are a few that have not soiled their clothes. It's kind of a direct little dig at the uh, major industry, the wool industry, the garment industry of this city. And um, unlike the clothes that they were making... Uh, there are some who have soiled their clothes. I don't know why that makes me giggle. Um, <laughs> okay, let's, let's pull it together. He's talking about the spiritual condition of the church. That there's some that haven't uh, given in to this kind of um, whatever attitude, and and they are they are in clean white garments. But others others have just gotten lazy. I mean, that's the problem with this church: spiritual laziness. But some, the relationship wasn't one sided, but through this this lack of vigilance, it's a one sided thing. Jesus, what do you got for me today? What's in it for me, Jesus? I want, I want, can I have, please? Those are the people who need to take notice of their life. And those who are victorious, those who are victorious, those who are strutting around in their white garments because they are all in for the things of God, their name will never be blotted out of the book of life. The book of life is, um, that's how you know you are saved when your name is written in that book of life. Now, this is a very uh, controversial uh, verse um, because depending on your theological view will depend on how you interpret it. Uh, Some will say that uh, this is not about your name being in the book of life and then losing your salvation. It's about just the perseverance of the saints, which is Calvinism. And then the Arminian theology says that, oh, no, no, no. You can, you can backslide so much that Jesus just erases your name out of the book of life. You can actually lose your salvation because you've sinned too much. Both of those, for me, are, uh, I, I just don't believe it. I'm a Calvinian. I fall in the middle. Um, and I don't want to get into a big debate about it. Um, but but here's, what, here's what I want us to, to understand. And, and, and this, is, this is important. Never, ever, 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 never take your salvation for granted. God uses very real warnings in my life, in your life, and the life of the church to make sure that we maintain our focus on him. Don't ever take the gift of salvation um, for granted. We, We cannot afford to live sloppy, careless, spiritual lives. There is too much at stake 
for ourselves and for the world out there. There's too much at stake. How we live has eternal consequences, not only for us, but the people who we come in contact with out in the world, at your job, in your family, wherever you find yourself. How we live our lives in the spirit has eternal consequences beyond just us. We cannot afford to live carelessly. I mean, I'm talking spiritually. Sometimes you just got to throw caution to the wind and jump off the cliff into the water. We are obedient to God not to earn our salvation. We are pressing in to the things of God not to earn his love. But we're obedient and we're pressing in and we're living um, with with, with a, a spiritual passion because of our salvation. Because we have been saved. Our natural response to our salvation is recognizing that it's not just about me, but it's about the entire world that God has planted me here in. Church, don't ever take what has been given to you for granted. Because what has been given to each and every one of us cost the Son of God his life. He was beaten, tortured, spit on, mocked, nailed to a cross where he hung for three hours, bleeding, being made fun of, soldiers at the bottom of the cross um, throwing dice for his clothes. Don't ever take what has been gifted to us for granted. By the Spirit of the Lord, strengthen that which, is, which we have allowed to weaken so that we, you, will have the reputation of being on fire for the things of God. Even if people think it's weird, I'd rather be weird and on fire for God than just weird. And that's what's there, with that, that little spark. And we all have that thing. We all have that thing. That, that we've kind of let wane and kind of let go and we've gotten lazy. And the Holy Spirit keeps knocking and keeps tapping. And maybe that knock and that tap is getting quieter and quieter as you just ignore it more and more and more. And eventually you will not hear it anymore. And one day you will wake up and you will look back at your life and just go, What did I miss? See, this is not about, uh, this is about living in the fullness of what Jesus came and died for. God has so much more for each and every one of you. So much more. And I know that because he has so much more for me. And even though I'm his favorite, he has so much more for you too. you, You are living you have yet to scratch the surface of the things that God has in store for your life. Big things. Things that have eternal consequences, not just for you, but for the world around you. My goodness. And so, fan the flame. Strengthen what's weak. Ask
ask the Spirit of God to, to, uh, to put that burning, passionate desire for him back in your heart. And maybe, maybe, it's not, maybe he's not going to do that. Maybe you just have to decide for yourself, I am now going to be disciplined in whatever it is that you have allowed to weaken me. And because, as Ben said this morning, because he has first loved you, you are now going to walk in obedience and love him. He's not interested in sacrifice. He asks for our obedience. And when we obey him, we are his disciples. And when we are his disciples, we will know the truth. And the truth will set us free. And so, Lord, we thank you for that freedom. We thank you that uh, you don't condemn us for our weakness. We thank you that you still love us in spite of uh, the things that we've let slide. We thank you that there is no condemnation because we are in you. But I pray for all of us that we would not allow that to be an excuse to live flippantly and carelessly in possession of what cost you so much to give us. And so if there's something in your heart this morning that you need to repent of and you want people to pray for you, get the prayer that you need. There's going to be folks up here praying. There's people that are in among you that will pray for you. Don't leave here hoping or thinking, I'll give it a try. Leave here prayed up and on fire that things change today. This is, this is a stake in the ground day. Things are going to be different because you have yet to scratch the surface of the plans that God has for each and every one of you. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.